What's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with the latest episode of Real Estate Uncensored. We've got a killer guest for you today. As always, this is the place where you get actionable ideas, insight, and inspiration to turn your real estate career into a life of freedom. And really, that's kind of what it's about today. Um, I don't know what the eventual title of the episode will be, but we're talking about how the banking system keeps you poor, how to break free from that, and how to find money in unexpected places and use money in new and interesting ways. So this is going to be a very unconventional episode with a very unconventional guest. So if you have a little bit of a rebellious streak in you, this is the place to be. Uh, speaking of a rebellious streak, probably too much of one, Greg McDaniel, my co-host <laughs> in the co-pilot seat, wearing the wrong shirt, sadly. I am not. I am wearing, wearing this in shirt. mourning. I'm wearing this in I, I, mourning. Yeah. For those of you who can't see, he is wearing a Golden State Warriors shirt, and yes. we are recording this the morning after they lost the NBA Finals. Sadly, um, <laughs> I don't really have a dog in the fight. Good series, but that's okay. Greg, how are you feeling today? Uh, I feel like I'm just like the morning after pill. I'm trying to forget what happened last night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, right out of the gate. Oh, my God. Uh, dude, it was a close game, though. I mean, we a couple of our guys went out. It was a rough lose. I think that if we had our, our starters in, I think we could have taken you know, the, the other team. But we just, you know, the dice were rolled, and we didn't get the, we didn't get the nod. We all, you know, the powers above us. Uh, I think it's conspiracy theory. I think they were taking it specifically. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's where this is going. <laughs> oh, it's definitely going to go there. But, you know, I, uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Chris and I were talking off, off show. And, uh, dude, we just started riffing about crazy things. And we came up with some nutty things that we we're going to talk about, which we're not going to talk about, like midget porn. But, you know. <laughs> and alive. I missed, I missed the pre-show for that one. Good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, we just we, we started laughing point. our butts off, but then we started talking about some really interesting things. And about some of the things that I'm really interested to learn from Chris today is about truly how banking works, right? Like, what are these things, these secrets that only the one percent or the top half percent learn and know that are written right into the code that we are just been told and taught just to look right over, just don't see right. anymore. Right? That's right. So if and you hear helicopters descending in the background <laughs> of either me or Greg's microphones, you'll know why Chris is going to drop some knowledge. So we got Chris Noggle. Uh, Chris is a, a friend and a client. He is the host of Real Estate Money School, author of the book by the same name, uh, Flip Out Academy, HGTV's Risky Builders. We'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, Chris, man, what's up? Welcome. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. And that microphone, that glorious microphone setup you have looks so familiar. Yeah, I, wonder, I don't know where I got this. Somebody sent it to me. I got this magic box that showed up. <laughs> Matt. So we all, I was going to say, we all have the same microphone. Speaking of the other guy who has the same microphone, Gene Volpe, the evil bald ninja, the marketing master himself. What's up today? What up, y'all? The dynasty is dead. I was, I was what? loving the, yeah, you heard me. I'm going to, I'm going to fly to you and beat you down like the redhead stepchild yeah. that you are. You ain't going to do shit. It's oh man you ain't gonna do no actually i'll tell you what i was i was sort of rooting for golden state me and my 11 year old were watching right, that because be. well first of all that the triple or quadruple doink was against my sixers so in, in the two rounds oh, yeah. ago when the raptors yeah. beat the sixers it tore our heart out so and also mm. i wanted a game seven there's nothing like game seven so i think toronto that is true that would have been fun to see would have been, those games were great. The, the series was yeah. awesome, even though Toronto won it. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's a sad day. Sad day. That's all right. As as usual, I'm I'm happy. Michael Jordan's legacy lives another day. So anyway, all right. Let's <laughs> you see where my loyalty stands, uh, Chris. Let's turn to you. So um, uh, HGTV's Risky Builders. I'm curious just how how that came about. Where what's the what's the status and how in the world did that happen? Yeah, so we'll start with how it happened. Uh, many years ago, 2014, me and my wife were at a seminar. 
We watched two HGTV stars walk on stage, and I'd always had a dream of speaking on stage. And I look over at my wife, and I said, Larissa, if we're ever going to get on that stage, we have to have our own show. Now, being that I was a pro snowboarder, I had filmed in many, many videos, and we even kind of had our own mini production company. Came home, and I'm kind of a just action taker. I hired a producer right out of the hole, had no idea, and we just started filming. I took Jackass along with Flipper Flop, and I said, <laughs> we're going to do kind of a combination and that's where the, the well, that's where Flip Out comes from. The original name, working title, was Flip Out. And okay. the idea was we're going to go in, we're going to demo the houses, we're going to take all the material from the demo, we're going to create ramps in the house, and we're going to skate through the house and you know make all these obstacles. No way. That's kind of what the concept was. And it, we filmed many sizzles like this. And mm. the funny thing is, is we sent those out to different producers. We got all the way up to HGTV, and they're like, no, this is a little too risque for us. That's hmm. it. What? So wow. yeah, at that point, we're like, wow, we thought we had something awesome. Jackass meets flip or flop. It's something yeah. new. It's fresh. It gets that millennial. And they said, no, we didn't fit in the square box. And I, I right. bring that up because we're going to talk a lot about fitting in that square box today. So what ended up happening is many years later, actually, it was a four-year journey. Everybody thinks getting a show is an overnight success. It was a four-year overnight success. And mm -hmm. we finally toned it down, repackaged it up as what everybody you know wants to see, that square box. And it was a very unique show. It was funny. Uh, me being a pro snowboarder, the other guy, Blair, being a pro snowboarder, my wife being a pretty blonde, we had a sure showstopper. And we got the great ratings out of the hole. We aired six times. Great ratings. Everything was good. We were number two out of HGTV. Discovery last year bought HGTV. And guess what? We didn't go on. So that wow. was my story with HGTV. And it was an awesome experience. Uh, never forget it. And, you know, everything in life happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's oh, the one thing we, you know, we don't like it sometimes. Yeah. You still have the same thing that happened to Tim Ferriss. Uh, I don't remember. It, it wasn't. A, it was a. Um, I don't know that it was a full on. The network that he was on got bought out, or if it was just a leadership change. But yeah, he basically got one season of his show. Bam, gone. Like just off the air. Not. Not. You know. Not even a second thought. Uh, so yeah, it's. Uh, that is yes. a tough business. Um, and you said four years from from start to finish. Uh, anything interesting along the way to share? Because Greg, Greg, you've always had uh, a similar dream of uh, people following you around with cameras and snapping your picture I and speaking actually, on stages and stuff. So, yeah, I actually had lunch with a videographer yesterday, and we're talking about yeah. potentially producing a TV show versus a radio show. So that's actually a real thing that that's in, in involved. But I guess if nice. Chris, I guess I I I feel for you, but I guess to make it big in Don't TV feel for and, me. and real estate, you have to be a unisex twin. Then, then you can yeah. make it big in TV. <laughs> and I just didn't, I just didn't make the cut, man. I, I thought I had what it took, and I didn't. <laughs> oh, oh man, was, Chris, you should have invented a, you should have invented a twin and done split screen filming and convinced them that you had, you had twins. You would have been the new Property Brothers, and just only you had to, you had to just film all your parts twice. It would have been awesome. I, mean, I had, I had some great ideas. I mean, they, they took the name Risky Builders. That was our working title at the end. You know, came from Risky Business, and I'm like, perfect. I can yeah. start by sliding out in my underwear with a hammer. <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't even go for that. I'm like, that's in the box. It's just a little on the outside. Yeah. Right. There was so many things that happened while filming. I mean, it was it was an awesome experience. I mean, things like the house that we bought was a train wreck. It had, I'm deathly afraid of snakes. Small, big, doesn't matter. And this house was infested. And I'll never really? forget, we were filming one scene. We were taking a wall down. We took the wall down and we're just cleaning up all the debris. And I reached down to grab something on the floor and there was a freaking snake. And it, it must have either been in the wall or something, but it, it, you can't plan something like that. And the fact that the cameras were rolling when this happened, I literally jumped 
about oh, three yeah. feet. I hovered in the air and never <laughs> touched back down on the ground. <laughs> that all happened in my head. But... Like still to I'm this day, I haven't hit the ground yet. Yeah. Day, I'm still hovering. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna go. I'm just I'm with you. YouTube, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I yeah. know what's what that. It's all over, calls. and you'll see the snake. You'll see that little bugger on there too, because it's all over all the sizzles. <laughs> oh, oh man, let's Gross. talk. To disgusting. All right, well, I'm, so much for sleeping tonight. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Chris, take take us back. I wanna I wanna get just a quick snapshot of like when you really woke up to speaking of the the, the box that or the you know the, that everybody is expected to fit into you definitely came out of that you owned a conventional brick and mortar business you had a couple of locations you're running you know a shop and uh, what was that what was that moment when you realized that that the world doesn't quite work the way that you thought it does oh, it wasn't just one moment it was like my entire life where I realized <laughs> that, like, nothing was as it seems from growing up in a really low income family to the day when i had that big dream where i wanted to do something that dream almost dying because you know, every single person stands in your way and says, oh, you shouldn't do this. Why would you do that? That's stupid. Just do what we did, you know, get the normal job and talking about family members. That yeah. was like at the first point. But then I I broke through and, and I got that one person, that unconditional person that believed in me. And that was my mom. She had nothing, but she believed in me and she allowed me to dream. And that's how I got my start in the retail business. I opened the stores. Oh, I, first business was mm -hmm. at 16. Then I opened the stores at 17 by just sheer chance. I was able to get the money to put those together. And that's when I started kind of really realizing that, you know, everybody wants you to believe this, but this is really what it is. And uh, I guess the rest of it kind of just as it all happened, it was just a gradual learning experience. Uh, since we're talking about money, I would say there was a lot of epiphany moments in money and a lot of them were while I was a financial advisor and, and I'm missing a lot of steps for the audience. Yeah. But, you know, I went from being self-employed and running my stores to going on and being a pro snowboarder and living the, the life. I mean, that's what it was traveling around the world, snowboarding, filming while running my retail stores, which were skateboard snowboard shops. It was like the perfect thing. And uh, I miss it. But in the early 2000s, when the first recession came, the first recession that I really remember in my life, the things didn't happen the way they were supposed to. My business came to a screeching halt. I had to go back out and do the one thing I said I was never going to do again and get a job. And I landed in the financial services. And actually, I was selling life insurance. That's how I got started. I loved it so much that I ended up really going full force into that. And my first epiphany moment was in before that, I always worked in my store. I loved it. Everything about my store was my creation. I could do everything better than everybody. When that happened and I had to go get that job and work in a different industry, I started working on the business, not in the business. And mm -hmm. then I watched my business just explode. And it was awesome to see that because I'm like, I thought I had to be there doing it, but I didn't. So fast forward through there, I'm doing the financial business and I, I was doing really, really well by 2008. Had flipped a couple houses, enjoyed doing that, but it's just on the side. And then I got this next big dream and that was to buy and develop a building. I wanted to do a strip mall. So I did that, having no knowledge of how to do this. And I don't know if you just caught when I did that, 2008. Eight. So in oh. 2008, <laughs> yeah, they, they say timing's everything, right? Whoops, yeah. yep. got that one wrong. Okay. I borrowed 360 grand from a guy I shouldn't have borrowed money from. I, I call him Knuckles. He's the kind of guy that <laughs> gives you the money. Gene, come on now. I, was gonna make I didn't joke. know you were alone. You know, that's, you got you to gotta stop running this loan shark operation off the back of our podcast. You're just getting a little ridiculous. Gene, you kind of look like that guy. <laughs> uh, so I borrowed 360 grand from this guy. And the only thing he said to me, he gave me the money. I had a little bit of credibility. He said, don't screw this up. 
Well, oh. everything was going great. I'm midway through the construction of it, and the bottom fell out. And I saw it coming. I was in the financial world. I saw the markets, you know, creeping down. Then all of a sudden, it hit, and it it hit hard. And and <laughs> I look back at that point in time, and I've been through a lot of things that create pain. Nothing like, uh, you know, like there's so many other people that have experienced more pain, but I had kind of gone through the the grind. And what I went through at this point in time was something I wouldn't wouldn't wish upon my worst enemies. I ran out of money. I was one payment away from being completely bankrupt. I didn't know what I was doing. I was almost just completely over it all. And at that point, like, you know, when you have success, when you come from nothing and you have a bunch of success, because I was making a lot of money as an advisor, you think that you're indestructible. And that's where I was. I, I had an ego. I was like self-starter, that guy that never needed help from anybody. And I had to come home one night. I just moved my beautiful girlfriend in at like, She's, you know, my wife now, but I just moved her in and I remember having to look her in the eye and say, sweetie, I need your help. I need you to help me pay the mortgage. I need you to help me pay the utilities. And we even have to rent that bedroom out down there because I can't make it work. And that was like, at that point, I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday. That was a hard thing for me to do because I'd never needed somebody like that. She could have went running for the hills. Most women wouldn't, would have, but she didn't. She stuck with it. We made it through that time and I, I dove right back in. That's when I jumped into real estate and I started buying a bunch of real estate because Warren Buffett said, buy low. And I thought I knew what I didn't know. Four years later, by 2014, 36 units, you'd think I was on the top of the world. I'm back making good money in the advisory world and I was in trouble again. I was over leveraged, I was under knowledge and I kept doing the same thing. Kept using that same conventional knowledge they taught us and everything I had learned, being an advisor, everything you learn about money, that's what I was doing. Everything they told me to do, I was like the perfect poster child, the perfect student. And in 2014, we were living paycheck to paycheck. We had to sell all those units. I had to sell our dream house. Again, like it was some tough times for me and my wife too, because mm. we'd worked so hard for this dream house and there it goes. It's like, you know, you have money and then it's all gone. You get money again and it's all gone. It's like the repeating cycle. And that was, I think, that big epiphany moment because at that point, I had reached such a low point in my life. I, I wanted to quit, but I didn't. And a funny thing happened next. I got one of those magic postcards in the mail. I, many of the people that are watching this probably have got those. That postcard, come to this real estate seminar and learn how to flip houses and make millions. Perfect. But everybody you know that's listening would be like, Dude, don't you ever learn? <laughs> not that I don't ever learn. Here's the right. Just, you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> it's not, here's what it was. I was so humbled by all my failures I'd had at this point because I, I'd had success and then I'd failed. I'd had success again and then I, I failed and I had to give it all away. So I was so humbled that I remember on this postcard, he flipped it over, come to the seminar, it's a two-day seminar, and we'll give you a free iPod shuffle. So hmm. I had I was so humbled by failures I had nothing to lose but I had a freaking iPod shuffle to gain so I went <laughs> I went for that damn iPod shuffle because I couldn't afford one at that point and day one nothing special but by day two here's that epiphany moment I learned one new thing and what I learned I learned that what I was doing was the complete opposite of what the successful investors were doing what the wealthy were doing and what the rich were doing I was doing the opposite but I was doing exactly what we've all been taught to do our entire life. Use the banks, borrow money from the banks, leverage this, do this, do that. And it was all bullshit. Sorry if I'm swearing, but it was. And at that point, I changed everything. I started spending money. I did anything and everything I could, spent money on credit cards, maxed them out, did anything I could to get these wealthy guys, these successful investors to want to 
work with me? And sometimes it was like, hey, how can I help promote you? Can I, can I do this? Can I do that? Anything it took. And I started learning the real ways that money works. I started learning what they were doing. I took everything I learned on Wall Street because I was a high-level advisor, a money manager. I managed millions and millions and millions of dollars. So I took what I learned on Wall Street. I took what I had learned in real estate the wrong way. And then I started learning all this stuff from these guys. And my business and my life was just a rocket ship straight up there. And, you know, I, I retired from the financial world last year. When I got the HGTV show, because my broker said, hey, you're either going to be an advisor or you're going to be a real estate investor pick. Okay, <laughs> see you guys. Sold my practice, gone. And when that happened, when the TV show didn't go on, at that moment, I realized I had the ability to teach people something that they're never going to learn because no advisor can get paid on what I teach. No, no one's out there talking about it. They don't want us to know this, so you don't learn it in school. Your kids don't learn it. And that's what I felt like my calling was. I instantly, almost like a tractor beam from up, up in space came down and said, this is what you were meant to do. And that's what I do now. I teach people the truth about how money really works and all the things no one else wants to teach you about because they can't get freaking paid. So let me ask you a question. <laughs> so so one, one thing that uh, when it comes to the way money really works, what's that one thing that bam, hits you in the head like a two by four? Well, the way that money really works is exactly the opposite of what you've always been taught. So it's simple. You know who the best person to follow if you want to learn? If you don't, you know, I'm just some guy. You don't know who I am yet. But follow Warren Buffett and follow his teachings because he's like that guy that knows a lot, but he teaches at a fifth grade level. And he says, buy low, sell high, and don't lose money. Now, we all understand that buy low, sell high thing, but yet nobody does it. People buy low, or they think they do. And they think that they know when to sell high, but everybody's always in it. And they're always like, oh, I don't want to sell. I know it's high, but I don't want to sell. For some reason, like we're, we're always taught to stay in for the long haul. But then it all goes down. We lose it all. And that's that have money and then it's gone. Mm -hmm. The don't lose money thing is so simple. It's not. It's like bed, bath, and beyond, right? We know mm -hmm. what the bed and the bath is, but what is this beyond thing? That's that don't lose money <laughs> thing. But to not lose money in the markets, all you got to do is just do what Warren said. Sell when the market's high. And the one thing I know being an advisor that most people don't is market patterns. But here's the trick. It's not hard. 2008, that was the last downturn. That was over 10 years ago. And the one thing I'll tell you is every single market cycle works in a seven to 10 year cycle, never any longer. And here we are past that. So isn't that a sign that you should get the hell out of the market? So that's something that they don't want you to know because if you get out of the market, advisors stop making money, banks don't make money. You see what there's a repeating mm -hmm. cycle. But the other thing that they do is they keep us broke. They keep us in debt. They teach us that we need all these things. Cars. How easy is it to go lease or buy a car? You don't even need, I don't even think you need to be breathing. I think they can wheel you in like blue. <laughs> you're dead. And they're like, yeah, we'll lease a car to this guy. But I mean, seriously, it's gotten to be that point where it's so freaking easy. Same thing. You want a loan. Great. It's that easy. You want to go to college. No problem. We'll give you a student loan. We don't even care if you ever pay us back. They say they care, but do they? Credit cards, how easy is it to get money for a credit card? And then how easy, easy it is once you get the credit card to increase the limit on that credit card. And, and then they actually, there's people out there teaching, all right, well, if you are at a high debt to income ratio, all you need to do is call the credit card company and get an increase in the credit limit. Then all of a sudden your debt to income ratio goes down. But the huh. truth of the matter is that really happens. And they're yeah. teaching you just to get deeper and deeper in debt so that you have to rely on them. So the big thing that they want you to do is they want you to be in debt. They want you to work hard. They want you to go to work five, seven days a week, whatever it is, so that you're working to pay down your debt. And that's how we've been taught and trained to live our lives. And it's not by design or it's not by chance. It's by design. 
they want us to live that way because that's how they continue in business. That's what the banks do. That's what they want to. And the big, big aha moment was when I learned that it doesn't have to be that way. And it hasn't always been that way. And there are things out there that nobody knows about that are so freaking simple, literally changing one thing in your life. You can change one thing and all of that that I just said goes away and you start taking back all of that. And all right, here's Yoda. Teach well, it, Yoda, what is it? On the uh, other side of this break. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back. After this commercial break, we'll get into that. Here's really what it is. It's a mindset. So okay. if you understand everything I just said and you think that there's some truth behind that, then what is the other way? And it's simple. If you just sat back and you just watched what banks do and you just duplicated what a bank does, that, that also is what wealthy people do, just so you know. If you duplicated exactly what they did and you basically became the bank, you could change everything. And everybody that's listening is probably like, oh, really? That's the secret? Oh, my God. That's, I can't be a bank. I don't have money. But everybody's so caught up and they have to have their own money to have the bank. Really? Because the last time I checked, when you go to the bank every single week and you deposit your damn paycheck or you do deposit your money, that bank is loaning your money out. That mm -hmm. bank is not using their own money. But yet we all think we got to have money to be successful. That's bullshit. You have to be resourceful and you have to learn how money works. And how money works is exactly what banks do. Banks use your money, my money, all of our money, and they basically use that money and they loan that money out. But they, who do they loan it to? They loan it right back to us. They take our deposits and they loan it right back to us at, at what we would think is what, 5% more or 10%? No, 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 it's like 500% more because they understand how to keep that money in motion over and over and over again. So here's a simple thing. Let's just, let's start with this. Let's say you wanted to get all the money back for all the cars you're ever going to buy, drive, and own. You wanted to buy a car because everybody loves cars, right? I don't care mm -hmm. if it's a Ford Focus or a freaking Maserati. It doesn't matter. You want to get all that money back for every car you're going to buy, drive, and own. It's simple. It, it's a little bit more to it than this. First, you got to find the right vehicle. And I'm not going to get too deep into the vehicles, but it's the same vehicle that the wealthiest people, the Carnegie's, the JP's, the Morgan's, the Rothschild's, it's the same thing they've been using since for over 200 years before the tax code was even written. Banks use this. Corporations use this. It's the reason why there's so many vice presidents at banks. How many times have you gone into a bank and not seen a couple vice presidents? There is a very <laughs> key, important thing that people will not understand as to why there's so many vice presidents. But we're not going to get into that. So you if can't you beat us like that and then walk away. Come on. So back 200 years ago, banks weren't what they are today. They weren't strong. So wealthy people they had all this money, they had to create their own banking system. So in order to create their own banking system, they had to find out where can we, what vehicle can we use that's safer than banks? So where do you think they went? Insurance companies. Why is it that the wealthiest Americans invest money in insurance companies? Warren Buffett being one of them. Geico. There's a very specific reason why insurance companies have and always will be the foundation that nobody knows about. Because you, everybody doesn't understand, they think insurance is just, I need to protect something, I buy an insurance policy. What they don't understand is how insurance companies really operate. See, insurance companies truly do print money. You buy an insurance policy to protect the risk, you pay a premium, that insurance company then has to do something with that money. So that insurance company finds very unique, safe ways to put that money back on the street. And I'm gonna tell you what it is, and everybody's eyes are gonna roll back in their head, but here's what they use. They use old-fashioned Mutual, they has to be a mutually uh, owned company, cannot be a publicly traded company, that's very important, but they use whole life. But whole life insurance, everybody thinks about it, you buy all oh, great, you sell in life insurance, absolutely not. They think of whole life insurance as an insurance policy, but think of all the things that whole life insurance has. It's guaranteed, 
Okay, you can build money inside of it. It's guaranteed. It's tax-free. It's fully liquid. If you need money, you have it in 36 hours, just like a bank. But the other thing, too, is it flies off the radars. It's not really like a bank account. It's not like a mutual fund account. It's not like a stock account. It's kind of just out there. And nobody really understands how to use it except for banks. So Google, so for people that don't understand why they use Whole Life, basically Google this. Google B-O-L-I. It's BOLI, bank-owned life insurance, and then find out how much banks own of BOLI. And the reason they use this is because they understand it. We don't. See, we've always been sold life insurance because when we die, we, we're buying it to protect death. That is not how it's used. If you used the whole life vehicle, not for a death benefit, but if you used it for a banking instrument, you would have the ultimate banking instrument. Because here's a couple of key things. Number one, it's guaranteed. So whatever money you put into a whole life, and let's just pretend you're not, you're not using it for death benefits. So you need to get that mindset out of your mind. You're not using it to protect you if you die, period. You're using it to bank. You put your money into it just like you do your bank account. And now all of a sudden you get a guaranteed 4% return. Now, I don't know about you guys or anyone watching this, but is anyone receiving a guaranteed 4% return on their savings or checking account? Nothing I'm not aware of. Probably not. Nobody is. Okay? Nobody is. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is now it's earning 4%, but now if you take that money out, it all comes out tax-free because what you're doing when you take it out, you're technically, the insurance company says, well, we're going to have to pay out a death benefit someday, and that's tax-free. So if you take it out, it's all tax-free. But here's where we get into that conspiracy theory stuff. Why is it that it's tax-free? Is it maybe because these were created before the tax code was written, and when the tax code was written, maybe these weren't included? I'm not going to get too deep into that, but we're going to go down that road, I promise you. <laughs> the other thing, this is where I'm really going to throw you. Okay. Let's say you, you wanted to buy a car. You've got a couple ways to do it. You can take money out of your checking or savings account, give it to the car dealership. In return, they give you a car because that's all money is. It's a means of exchange. Money for car, car for money. Money for groceries, groceries for money. Money for house, house for money, right? It's just whose money is it? Well, banks figured it out. They said, okay, well, we're going to give you other people's money to buy these goods, and then we're just going to charge you interest. So if you understand the exchange, basically, what if you just used your own bank? You put your money in your bank, you're in 4%, then you took that money out and you bought the car. And I'm talking about out of this, this banking system you've created using a whole life. You buy the car. Most people would think if you bought, let's just pick a $100,000 car. You got a hundred grand in your savings, which is your banking instrument. You take a hundred grand out, you buy the car. If you were making 4% on that hundred grand and now you bought a car for a hundred grand, how much money is making interest? If you were just taking you know, it out right? of the bank, you just lose you the ability to buy, yeah. You, you make zero interest because you take the money out, yeah. But what if you actually could take that money out, buy the car, and still earn 4% on the 100000 even though you used the 100000 to buy the car? That'd be pretty cool, right? That wouldn't make any sense to most people, but it would be yeah. pretty cool. Well, that's really how it works because insurance companies have all this money. They call it reserves. They have to put the reserves, their surplus money, to work. So insurance companies are smart enough to know, well, they have to loan money out. So what the insurance company does is the smartest play on earth. They say, okay, we well, got a hundred grand in your banking instrument in your whole life. We're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars. We're going to give it to you from the surplus. We're then going to charge you interest on that money. Okay. doesn't matter what it is. Let's just say it's 6%, the highest that it could be. They're charging 6% on that loan they gave you, but your hundred grand that's in your bank is still earning 4%. Mm -hmm. The next thing I normally would show is I would say, is it possible to earn more if you're only making 4% when you're paying six? Most people, when I ask that, they say, no, you can't pay 6% on something and make more earning four, but you yeah. absolutely positively can. 
because the 6% you're paying is on a declining balance. The 4% is on an increasing balance. We all understand how we show it. So you can make more earning 4% than you can paying 6. So then what you got to do is now, remember, you used your own bank. And if you had a bank, if you truly owned a bank, it makes sense for you to pay your bank back, wouldn't it? So if you were going to buy a car using a car loan or a lease, you'd have a car payment. Figure out what that payment is on a thousand, $100,000 car. Let's just say it's 800 bucks. And let's use a thousand bucks. You're going to pay the bank a thousand bucks, the real bank or the lease a thousand. Take that thousand you were going to pay the bank and put it back into your bank. Now you're recapturing all the interest that you were once paying to a bank to have that, that, that car or that whatever it is you buy. Now you're putting that money back in your bank account. But remember, your bank account is earning 4%, like the money never left, and it just keeps going up. What if you just did that for everything in your life? Everything that you go to the bank and borrow money for, all the taxes that you pay right now, if you have to borrow money for that or use a credit card. What if you never needed credit cards ever again? That is like literally the basis. And I went, it, the easiest way to explain it without showing it is that that would be how you'd get all the money back for all the cars. Because in a five-year time frame, you would have paid yourself back all the money that you would have paid a bank. But now all that money earned interest and it kept growing. And you have a car that you don't have to give back. And that car is worth something. But your bank account, your bank that you created, is now worth way, way, way more. Yeah. We just became best friends. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll tell you, that is the simplest thing. It only gets better from there. If I showed oh, you how to hurts. use that. If I wanted, if I showed you how to use that to buy rental properties, if I showed you oh. how to, oh, if I showed you just how to, forget it. Let's just say some people say, well, that's all good and great, but I don't have any money. Great. Guess who does? All the other people that you're around every day. They have IRAs. They have 401ks. Many people mm -hmm. have equity in their house. And the thing I always talk about, I love this. People have houses. And over the last five years, the house values have gone up a lot. And then they always get excited. Hey, I just paid my house off. And they have these big house payoff parties, right? I love going to these things because it's always free alcohol because they, hey, I paid my house <laughs> off, so now it's free alcohol for everybody. So I'm the first guy in line, but I'm not that guy, <laughs> guy in the back saying, dude, congrats, you paid your house off. I'm going to come over. I'm going to say, you know, good job. But what changed in your life by paying your house off? Well, duh, right. I, don't have a, I don't have a mortgage payment anymore. Yeah, but did anything change in your life? What do you mean? I, are you going on more vacations? I mean, are you going to buy a new car? Are you going to do something drastic with this? No. Because your house is a liability and it always will be and it always has been because it's going to cost you money. Mm -hmm. Turn that house into an asset. All you mm -hmm. have to do is harness and take that hidden equity that's sitting there that you just created and had a party over. Take that equity out in a home equity line of credit and loan that money out like banks do. Because that's not your money. It's technically your asset. It's your equity. Loan that money out to people to buy real estate. Be hard a private money, money lender. Do yeah, anything. hard money lender. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But think about that, right? So now we start really opening up a whole other avenue. If you don't have a house, find somebody that does. Teach them how money works. Teach them how to pay for their car with their house. That's awesome. You know, and, and this is what my mom does. Show somebody how to have their house pay for their car. And then all of a sudden, you just made a new best friend. And it's so <laughs> simple. All they do is they take a home equity line of credit. You teach them how to loan that money the same way a bank does. And they don't just give it to some stranger. What they got to do is they got to underwrite it. They got to kind of do some mm -hmm. homework, make sure that the person's going to be good for it. They got to yeah. take a first position, lean on that house so that they're secured. So if they don't take, you know, if they don't pay you, guess mm -hmm. what? You just foreclose on the house. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. But all I'm getting back around to, because I can go down rabbit holes, mm -hmm. you do the same thing that a bank does, because that's exactly what a bank does. But a bank sure. uses other people's money, so you use other people's money. Use other people's IRA money, because there's a ton of it sitting there. And so if right now we're in the 11th year of a market cycle that's going to go down, I guarantee it. 
the market mm -hmm. is going to go down. And if you didn't have to ride that roller coaster down, but you could still make 10% on your money, wouldn't that be pretty sweet? But it would be pretty sweet to teach other people that. So, I mean, I, I could, I mean, I, I, Gene said it the best, like my head hurts. I get it. But let's, let's say there's a, you're a 21 year old agent. You're just starting in the business. Uh, you're in debt up to 100 grand, 200 grand in school debt. We'll just make it a ridiculous thing, right? You don't have a pot to piss in. And they're listening to your voice and my voice right now. And they're going, man, I'd love to do this, but I ain't got shit. That's so how, how do you go from, I ain't got shit. I love my really great use of the English language no, that's uh, perfect. and then turn it into something that they can actually have an asset in 30 days. Very simple. Possible? Okay. Yep. It is. And, and it's funny. I've got a real life example, but he's not 21. He's 19. His name's Jamie. He's one of our students. And let me tell you how he did this. He doesn't have a pot spissing. He's got a ton of credit card debt and a ton of student loan debt. He's trapped. He's just like almost every other millennial that's out there right now. They're buried in debt. They're trying to figure out what to do and they need to make money fast. So here's what I basically taught him and here's what he wants. He wants to get into real estate, but to get into real estate, he always thought I gotta have money and I don't have money. So I, I can't get into real estate. I can wholesale, but I can't buy those awesome rentals. I can't do those mm -hmm. flips. So I taught him all about how money really works. And I said, all right, listen, if you can learn how to solve someone else's problem, money will find you. Now that right there, he's just like, okay, yeah, whatever, you're talking a bunch of nonsense. And I said, all right, everybody has one common problem. And that one common problem everybody you'll ever meet has is they all wanna make more money. They mm -hmm. all wanna make more money. So if you could solve that one problem, you then have their ear at least. You know, If you're 19 or 20, mm -hmm. it's hard to get somebody's ear that has money. So here's what he did. He learned everything. He put together a proposal and the proposal showed people and, and he went to his parents. His parents don't have a lot, but he never thought they had anything. But then he's like, well, I think they have retirement accounts. So what he did is he went to his mom and his dad, they're, they're separated. And he said, dad, I've got this opportunity. I wanna buy a piece of real estate and I need money. And instead of me going to the bank and borrowing it, what if I just borrow it from you? And what's his father say? I don't have any money. And he mm -hmm. says, but dad, right. you do. You have, a, you have a 401k, right? Well, yeah, but I can't take that money. If I take that money, I gotta pay taxes and penalty. And I'm not doing that. Where are you going with this? And he says, but dad, can you take a loan from your 401k? And his dad said, yeah, actually, yeah, I can. And he said, but hmm. dad, how much would it cost if you took a loan from your 401k? And his dad said, well, I don't know. It's gonna, I have to pay it back and I have to pay interest on it. And hypothetically, let's say it's 5%. He said, well, dad, what if I paid you 10%? And his dad's like, okay, well, that's doubling your money, right? So now what mm -hmm. he just did is he doubled the money that his dad would have to pay. Now his dad would be smart to get his money out of the out of the market right now because it's at a high point. So he first had to explain that, but right. he didn't have to explain that much. He's like, dad, just listen to Warren Buffett, just Google it. Is the market at a high point? And he did that. So his dad takes a loan from his 401k, loans it to Jamie on a piece of real estate. Jamie then gives him a first position secured position and a mortgage basically gives mm -hmm. him that. So his right. dad is in that yeah. first position. His, then he pays his father back 10% interest on a monthly basis, not 10% a month, 10% annualized, but he pays him back monthly because right. his okay. dad has to pay that money back to the 401k. But the right. other thing then he says to his dad after he gets this whole thing done is he said, dad, do you know who gets that interest that you're paying back on that loan from your 401k? And his dad really didn't know. And he says, dad, that's your money. The 5% interest for the aunt that you're being charged on that 401k that money goes back into your account. So his dad isn't really making just the spread. His dad is making the 5%, mm. he's paying himself back the 5%. And now Jamie's paying him an additional five on top of that. 
Hmm. Well, actually, an additional 10, if you will. So that's what he did with his dad. Now, his mom, totally different. She had equity in the house. She had a home equity line of credit. He went mm -hmm. and showed her that whole scenario of, hey, what if you're going to, you take the home equity, you loan the money to me, I give you the first position, and I pay you 10%. So you just doubled your money and you didn't have to work any harder, any longer, or change anything in your life. You just have to use that money that's sitting there doing nothing. Most people are very, very good at working hard. That's what we're taught. Work hard and you get ahead in life. People mm -hmm. don't understand how to make their money work hard. And yeah. most people leave their money sitting there doing nothing, and they know nothing about how to make it work. But if they could just learn how to make their money work for them, they wouldn't have to work as hard. And I mean, there's so many ways, mm -hmm. whether it's equity in a house, whether it's a 401k, whether it's an IRA, whether it's stocks, bonds, whether it's whole life insurance. All that money just sits there and does nothing because we are so conditioned to believe that compound interest is what we should be doing. But the funny thing is, is if we all believe that compound interest is what is good for us, why don't banks use it? Why don't companies use compound interest? There isn't one business on earth that uses compound interest for their business. They don't, because money has to be in motion. And to make compound interest, your money has to just sit there. Money can't just sit someplace, or you can't make money if it just sits someplace. You're gonna make just what someone's willing to pay you. So, sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but no, you know, this is really just good. Trying to, I'm trying to get people awesome. to think about what's yeah, really well, I, well, here's here's the, and this is part of why we, we wanted to have you on the show. Um, what I think people's biggest objection you, you've addressed, and you're addressing it from the perspective of what would you do if you were like a 21 year old that felt mm -hmm. like you didn't have access, you didn't have any assets of your own. But I think most real estate agents are also in that position where, uh, I mean, I was talking about this with my my business coach this morning. We tend to focus on if we look at it at all, we look at our P&L. In other words, like, hey, do we more income coming in than going out and how much more is it and what can I, what cool stuff can I do with the income I have coming in? We're not really looking at our balance sheet and that goes for real estate agents that have been in the business for 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, so we're not looking at assets. Most agents feel like, well, I'm not buying investment property because I don't have the money to buy investment property, even as they continually raise their lifestyle to match the money that they take in, right? So this happens like this horrible cycle goes on over and over again. And real estate agents find themselves in the business for 20, 30 years and still never having really got involved in investing. And you basically just gave them the answer like, hey, it doesn't matter if you feel like you don't have a high enough income or if you've gotten yourself in a situation where your expenses going out are about as much as you've got coming in. There's other sources of money that you could be tapping into. Um, and who better qualified to know whether a real estate deal is a good bet, a good, you know, like that's where I think a lot of people get tripped up is, how do I know this is a good investment? How do I know this is not worth, you know, it's not more risky than, you know, than it's worth. That, I mean, this is a fan, how do you go get a whole life in, uh, insurance policy? You just go apply for one? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's how you get a whole life. But remember I said right early on, I said, this isn't your plain Jane vanilla box whole life that your life insurance guy sells you. Absolutely not. These are specially designed. There's only several, there's only a couple companies out there. And I shouldn't say a couple. There's a handful of companies out there that do these. They're, they're built for banking. They're not built as a whole life. And what I mean by that, remember I said, forget about the death benefit. You're not doing this for a death benefit, right. but you have to change. I said, you have to do one thing different, right? We have to change your entire mindset. It'd be like riding a bicycle. And here's one thing too for the audience. I want, when I'm done with this and you're done listening to this, just Google this, Google backward bicycle and watch that video. And it's exactly what I'm talking about. Our whole life we're taught this way, but really the path to wealth is this way. 
But if we're always taught this way and everybody says, no, no, it's that way, it's that way, it's that way, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to work hard, that's how you have success. But what if really the way to success was over here, but nobody ever taught you that because nobody ever learned that? That's that conspiracy theory thing we were talking a little bit about. The mm -hmm. reason we don't know about this stuff is nobody teaches this. Nobody right. wants us to know this because nobody can get paid on this. A life insurance agent gets paid a commission for writing a life insurance plan. But what if you told your life insurance agent this? You said, hey, I want you to write me a whole life from a mutually owned company that pays dividends. And I want to make sure that this company pays interest on that money, even if I take it all. And there's a word for it. And the person says, OK, OK, OK. And then you say to him, but I want you to take a 60 percent cut in pay. How's that sound? I want you to take a 60 percent cut in pay. Now, I don't know about you guys, but most people that I talk to when I say, hey, would you do something, even if it was the right thing to do, if it required you to take a 60% cut in pay? Well, I know that's I would exactly, do it. you Matt would, wouldn't. because you're smart, because you, you know wouldn't. that there's a bigger picture to it. But most people would say, oh, hell no, I, I could never even support my family making 60% less. Right. To do what I just told you to do, to do what I told you to create a whole life banking system, would require you to buy a whole life that is built where the agent or the person selling it makes 60% less. And it only makes sense, right? If the agent makes 60% less, who gets that other 60%? You do. You do. Yeah. And most people, like when they say, oh, no, whole life would work. I could build it. It'll work for banking. Okay. In year one, if you put 10 grand in, how much money can I take back out? And most people would run the illustration like, well, you can take uh, just a little bit. No, you should be able to take 60% back out year one. You should be able to use that money within the first 30 days. But most insurance companies would never allow that. So yeah. it's not just a standard plain Jane whole life. It's in the only reason I even say it's whole life is because that's what it is. I'm not going to candy coat it. I'm not going to call it something that's not. If it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It is a duck. So it is a duck, but it's a duck that is not built like any other duck. It's a duck that was its parents were feeding it kryptonite. And that's what it <laughs> <laughs> a very specialized duck. That's this right. This is a absolutely fascinating. Uh, I mean, could you know subject matter? I mean, could you theoretically go to a parent or trusted loved one and say, "Hey, you have X hundreds of thousands of dollars in a in a four hundred one k. Can I borrow a hundred or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Go put that into the whole life insurance policy that's specially built, like that's built for banking." And then that would be your base that uh, uh, where you could just start building wealth off of that. And then just that's where you start and then ultimately be paying them back on a monthly basis. Not only yeah. would that be like a wise thing to do, it would be a very, very smart thing to do right now, specifically because the market is so high. So what you said mm -hmm. to do is go to your 401k, take a loan and taking a loan from your 401k. That means you need to get out of the market. What did Warren Buffett tell you to do? Sell high and don't lose money. The best way to make money in the market is to sell at the high point. And once you sell, you can't lose money because you move it to cash. Then you take that cash in your 401k that is earning next to nothing, take it out in a loan. Now, when you take a loan back out, you have to pay it back and you have to pay it back with interest, but you're paying yourself back with interest. So you're being a good banker right there. Mm -hmm. You take that money, you put it into this, this kryptonite duck that we've been talking about, the infinite banking policy, then that money's earning. Now, I'm going to go one step further. Now, that would work, but that's still, remember, I just told you, everybody's been taught that compound interest is the way to make money. All you're doing there is compound interest. That's all you're doing because now your money's sitting there, that hundred grand that you took out as a loan, it's earning 4%. That's not sexy. That's not exciting. But now you take that money that's in there, you take 60% out of it. And this is in the first 30 days, 60% of that money out, and you loan it to your buddy 
who's a house flipper, and you loan him that 60000 bucks. He goes out and he does a flip or he uses that money as a transition funding to do his flip. You charge him 12%. Mm-hmm. He then pays you back the 12% interest only loan. You put that money back into your kryptonite duck, and that duck continues to keep building. And then when that loan is done, after a year or six months, and that guy flips that house, your best friend or your friend, they pay you all that money back. You put it back into that banking system, and you just keep repeating that cycle. See, early on, and I don't know if you caught this, but I did say something that was very critical that nobody ever remembers. As I said, in order to really be successful, you have to keep money in motion because that's what banks do. Money's always in motion. You cannot put money in this this banking system and just leave it. That wouldn't be the solution. You have to put that money in motion. Go buy a car. Loan that money out to someone else that wants to buy a car. Loan that money out to somebody to buy a passive income rental, whatever. Find some way to put that money in motion. Easiest way is to pay off debt. If you're paying a credit card 15%, let's just, let's use the 401k. Let's forget about kryptonite duck. Let's just talk about a 401k because this is wild. Hmm. You got a 401k. And then you've got credit card debt. And let's just say you got $30,000 in credit card debt. You got $30,000 in credit card debt, which is the average, just so you know, that's the average across the United States per household is $30,000 in debt in credit cards. Credit cards are high interest. Let's just use 15%, which would be like a middle of the road. You're paying 15%. That's 40, what is that, 4,500 bucks? I think so. Interest only. If all you did is pay the interest to the credit card, never touch the principal, you pay 4,500 bucks in interest per year. And if I'm wrong with my math, I'm doing this quick. Yeah. That's what everybody does. And they think that that's okay because that's just what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Let's say you took that 401k and you took a loan out for 30,000 bucks and you took your 401k loan or your parents' 401k loan and you paid that credit card debt off. Then you take that money that you were paying the credit card company, that 4,500, you put that back into your 401k. Okay. You just pay that loan back on a monthly basis. So take 4,500 divided by 12 on a monthly basis, just like you were paying your credit card. You now pay your bank, which is your 401k. What did you just do? Well, you just freed up $4,500, but now you're going to take that 4,500. You're going to recapture that back into your 401k. But what you did is you literally changed the whole dynamic of the rest of your life because now you understand how banking works. You literally just took control of your banking future. You're no longer giving $4,500 to the bank who doesn't need your money, just by the way, and they will mismanage it. You now took that 4,500 and you put it back in your bank, which is your 401k. So that's just using a 401k, but now what if you did that using that banking system? Then it would work even better. I'm just trying to get you to think that it doesn't just have to be the banking system. It can be use your 401k, use the assets you have or that other people have, but use them different. Do you, do you need anyone to carry your bags on trips or anything like that? Because I'm personally <laughs> volunteering <laughs> my services. It's very, that's awesome that you say that because I am so passionate about doing this that I tend to do a lot of stuff just for free because I fully believe that the ultimate way to success for anybody is giving. If you mm, give, yeah. you always get. But everybody's yeah. so caught up in if I give, I need something back or you always have this hidden agenda. What I do is I offer this to anybody and it doesn't have to be carrying bags. I say, if anyone wants to shadow me in my office and that remember that 19 year old I was talking about, Jamie? Yeah. He went through one of my classes. He's 19. He raised $500,000 within three weeks. He had no money. He's just buried in debt. Yeah, he raised 500000 for both of his parents. And his parents, parents, just so you know, your family will be the hardest people in the world to get money from. But he oh, was able to kidding. He listened to what I taught him, and he went out and applied that knowledge. He's got 500000 but now he learned how to get money before he learned how to get a deal. And then he came in here, and he said, Chris, he says, I know I'm asking a lot. 
but can I just be a fly on the wall? Can I come into the office? I will help do anything you want. I will take out garbage. I will do spreadsheets. I'll do anything you guys need. And if you don't need anything, you won't even know I'm here. But can I just be around what you guys do day in and day mm -hmm. out? For four weeks now, he has been coming to the office twice a week, just being a fly on the wall. I don't know what he's learning because I'm not asking him, but, <laughs> but what I know he's learning because he's, he's just applying himself. And mm -hmm. successful people do two things really, really well. They invest their time like he is, but they also invest their money. That's what successful people do. There's nothing, there's nothing crazy that successful people do that other people don't. They do those two things very well, but they invest their time and their money on the right knowledge, not the knowledge that everybody wants us to believe. And if, if that wasn't true, what I just said, then why is it that our family, our friends, and all the people that we surround ourselves with always tell us, oh, you shouldn't do that. If you got this great idea and you're like, hey, I want to start flipping houses, and everybody else is like, really? I, I don't think that's so smart. I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, that's risky yeah. and this and that. But the first thing people need to start thinking is, wait a second, you're giving me advice. Have you ever flipped a house? Have you flipped <laughs> houses successfully? So if you haven't, why are you authorized to give me advice? Hmm. Back the F up. Anyways. Yes, speaker. <laughs> put him in timeout. Put him in the timeout. That's a good way to put it. Matt, go to your corner. Matt, go to your corner. <laughs> go to my corner. Easier, easier said on the show than it is in real life because you don't just yeah. say your wife, hey, timeout, go sit in the corner. Yeah, that yeah. that whole sex life thing is going to go bye bye if you tell your, your wife to go sit in the corner. And that's one of the hardest things about like really the path to success. And, you know, on my podcast, I'm always talking about people's journey to that success. And the hardest thing are other people getting in your way and telling you you shouldn't do something. Why would you do this? And they're, you know, the naysayers, but they're always the people that care about you the most, but they've never done it. So they're scared. Yeah. It's just really unknown. It really Fear. is. Um, yeah, very I, true. I mean, you have successfully, I think Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Chris has done this the first time in the history of the show. He's gotten both of us and Gene to all shut up for an hour. <laughs> Literally. Like, we're just sitting here in stunned silence. Yeah, and not, and not out of boredom, because believe me, there's been a couple of episodes where, oh. I've, where I've, I've shut up, but it's because I wanted to end, to end it as quickly as possible. Um, this was not the case. So, yeah, this is a blast. And, Chris, you mentioned your podcast, which we should uh, uh, mm -hmm. tell people about real quick. Real Estate Money School. They can get it on all the usual platforms and stuff. But what's, what's the gist of the show, and what's your favorite type of, like, what can people expect oh, and your absolutely. favorite type of guest? Well, obviously it's about real estate and money, but it's not about real estate and money. It's about the journey that every successful person that I have on the show has gone through to get to that level of success that they're at. It's about their struggles, about the obstacles that they've had to overcome. And many of those obstacles are money related because that's always an obstacle in the journey to success. And the unique thing, and this is what I've learned, I never thought I'd get this out of the podcast. The same story the same obstacles, the same things have happened for almost every single person. And I'm talking about billionaires. I'm talking about professional athletes. I'm talking about people that you would think, oh, it had to have been so easy. The same freaking thing has happened for every one of them. And that is every single one of them have failed. Maybe not once, twice, three. Mm -hmm. They've all fallen on their face so many freaking times, but they've all done what each other has done. And that is get back up and keep charging forward, no matter how bad they fell on their face. And that's what's so unique about it is that story resonates every single one of these people that I have on the podcast. So if you want to hear not about someone's success, not about where they're at, not about all that, you want to hear about the journey to how they got to the success, that's what the podcast is about. Very cool. Love it. And good news for Greg because, uh, yeah, Greg falls down a lot, which uh, it's okay. We, uh, we forgive him for it. 
But thank God there's still hope for Greg. So uh, and, and, and hope for all of us. <laughs> and then Chris, you've got a book too that goes deeper into the, some of these topics as yeah. well. So where can people get that? Where do you want them to go to get that? Uh, Private Money Guide. I just want you to go to Amazon. Just grab this on Amazon. Yeah. It's an easy read. It is full of exactly what it says. Private Money Guide. It's where all the mm -hmm. money is for all the deals you will ever want to do, but not just where it is. How to actually go after it. How to structure an opportunity to solve other people's problems. Yeah, and th I think that's the that is the exact like. That's the skill set and the knowledge part that people are missing. They go like, I, I get it, I'm fired up, I'm ready, and and then it's like, okay, what's the next step? Well, this is the next step, right? Because then you got to know just the, the nuts and bolts of how to put something together and take that first step. So you can have a conversation with somebody about whether they will loan you money, and you have to be able to present it in the right way. And this is the book will tell them exactly that. So awesome, Don't awesome. Don't ever ask for money. Don't ever ask for money. It's the worst thing you can do. You present the deal. Present present an opportunity. Present an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, good. I, I appreciate the the correction on language because yeah, I would I would totally I I biff that up massively. <laughs> never <laughs> never ask just, for money. Present the don't opportunity. Ask for money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that then uh, that's what he did. Oh, I no kidding, dude. That's super inspiring. That's um yeah. I might show up at your office randomly and just Come just wander. Yeah, be a fly, fly on the wall. Uh, and then Greg, what's the uh, what's the best way to reach out and connect with you? And why would anyone want to do such a thing? Best way to reach out to me after this podcast is being Chris in Chris's office. I will be <laughs> in, picture, in, a, you know, in a chair next to him. So uh, find out where Chris is, and uh, voila, you will find Greg. All right, love it. <laughs> uh, seriously, no messing around. I just downloaded your podcast, and I'm ordering your book as we speak on Amazon because I think this is just <laughs> such uniquely, uniquely, unique opportunity for people. They really are serious, and if they are willing to take the red pill, not continually take the blue pill and really look at things differently. These are all legal things built in the tax code. The major organizations and institutions use against us. Why can't we just do it ourselves? I mean, why not? What is wrong with that? So I am, you should. I mean, I, I say this a lot, but I'm thoroughly excited to have had you on the show. Uh, this is, uh -huh. this is full red pill day and I like red pills. So thank you. Uh, get a hold of me. Go to bookmcdaniel.com. Guys, go to bookmcdaniel.com. We've got some amazing things happening with EXP. Uh, if that thing has literally exploded in the last last year, year and a half, in every way, shape, or form. And uh, we are officially heading to Australia and to England. And we, I have some things, Matt and I have some things in the works that are going to explode those two countries in massive ways. So if you want to be a part of this tribe and take, take advantage of the tools and techniques and people are going to be connecting with, go to Book McDaniel, book some time. Let's talk about EXP. Let's talk about why you haven't come over yet and what we can do to bring value to you and your family so you can get hooked up with, Chris, with people like Chris. You know, you can go hang out with the evil bald ninja. And if Matt actually liked humans, you could go spend time with him, but he doesn't, so we'll take that off the table. Um, but hypothetically speaking, that could, it could be an option. Uh, but go to bookmcdaniel.com and we'll work it out. You know, we'll figure out a time there. And Matt, if you guys can't see him, Matt is grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> you find it <laughs> genuinely funny. <laughs> oh man. Okay. And then uh, Gene, what's the best way to reach out and connect with you if is, if yeah. Gene is still with us? Gene, oh, there you are. Can you see me? Can you see? Yeah. Me? Well, I didn't. I didn't see you for a second, so I, I was concerned that you maybe had to had to bail. I did not have to bail. You were going in and out on my screen too, actually. For yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. Something's going on. So yeah. yeah, you can you know you can get me at the website genevolpe.com, the Gene Volpe on Instagram, or Gene Volpe on any of the social media outlets. That's right. And if you would like to be on any of the social media outlets and get more exposure, Gene is your man. Thank so, you, yeah, well, Chris, Matt. this has been awesome. Yeah, fantastic. How do, go how ahead. Do people, how do people get on podcasts, Matt? Uh, they go to how they go to pursuingresults.com/training, 
to learn how to do that. So thank you, Greg, for that. I always forget to, for, to uh, mention that. So that is the training that I did with one of my clients, Dana Malstaff. We talked about how to get on the best podcast, how to find the right shows to be on, how to craft your story hook. So if you want to be an amazing guest like Chris, where you can share your story in a way that ties back to your content and authentically relates to exactly what you want to change and the impact that you want to bring to people, that is a great training for that. And we also talk about how to hire someone to essentially get you pitched so that you're not doing all the emailing, the researching and all that fun, you know, not not, not so fun, monotonous, boring part of getting on podcasts. So that's at PursuingResults.com slash training. Nice. Now we need a color. Yeah. Ooh. No, no, no. Um, well, he's, talk, he's talking red pill all day. It's got to be red. I was going to say, it's got to be red. Well, that and the, you know, it's the, the Toronto the Raptors just won the NBA championship. There we have to go with a red bow. I mean, come on. I got I got to, I do have to really drive the, the knife home on that I one. I like it. Uh, yeah. I take my 50% partnership and I veto the red bow. <laughs> <laughs> Down with the Raptors, up with the Warriors. There are prehistoric reptiles that are dead. <laughs> all right. With that, before we get way off track. Yeah. Uh, Greg, shall we uh, shall we take this one home? Yes, let's put a regrettable red bow slash blue bow um, on the show, guys. Thanks for watching, Chris. Sincerely, thank you. Epic knowledge. If you guys are catching us on the tail end, slap yourself and then go back and watch this as soon as you can. Uh, take notes because there were some. I mean, Gene and I were both scratching our heads. Matt Matt mentally checked out. Um, Chris was just kept on trucking. I know I'm going to go back and rewatch it because it's so. <laughs> good <laughs> taking notes thank you very much how dare you oh man all right okay guys i love you i love you i love you until next show peace out ninjas we're gone okay.